Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. So here is the question of the century for us young women, especially, you know, in this modern culture and for believers, especially if you share my faith, this is probably a big question that you are wondering as well, which is, is it vain to invest in my health? And then I think you could take that question even further and ask, is that the same thing as self-love? And is self-love selfish? Is it what we are called to biblically? Is you know, I think there's a lot of debate. I see this on social media a lot. I feel like there's a lot of debate on self-care isn't selfish and you know, love yourself and all of this stuff. And there's, I think, a lot of, I don't even know if it's debate. I think a lot of people and most of us would agree, like, no, taking care of yourself can be a good thing, right? Like you can't pour from an empty cup. So I think we could all agree on that foundational fact or truth. Then I think it's like, okay, but then where's the line on this thing? Because, you know, at what point does it become unbiblical? Like at what point does it become excessive or selfish? Is there a point at which it does? Can we debunk the myth that investing in our health at all is just vain as a whole? Um, And simultaneously, can we address this concept of self-love and what the Bible has to say about it and how that can really give us a guide when it comes to investing in our health, making financial and time investments into our well-being, our wellness, all of that. So I want to dig into this in this episode. I don't have all the answers. I am not a Bible teacher. I'm not a theologian. So instead of trying to argue doctrine with you and things like that, I'm just going to share in this episode a lesson that my pastor recently shared with us and not me personally, but you know, I was sitting in the crowd and listening. And I'm going to pass that on because it really convicted me and gave me a strong way to think about this or a, a different way to think about this in a very, I think, diluted and loud social media world that we navigate every day as young women. And then simultaneously, I want to dig into kind of debunking the myth around or just the thought that like investing in your health in any capacity or in your well-being in any capacity makes you selfish because you need to be taking care of others because that's what the Bible says to do. So I, I want to kind of attack this from both angles, if that makes sense, so we can find a really happy middle ground or um, truth-based ground is what I'd prefer to call it. Like, let's not operate in such extremes if we can help it. Like, oh, it's so vain and terrible to invest in my health, but also let's not go off the deep end to the point at which it's excessive and we're tipping into vanity, if that makes sense. Okay. So that's what we're going to dig into. Let's do it. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. 
Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Okay, so let's start off with this concept of self-love and kind of the confusion that surrounds that around like if I, you know, take care of myself or, you know, put, spend extra money on my well, my wellness or my health, is that self-love? Is that selfish? Is self-love wrong? You know, you've got some believers in one camp saying, yeah, self-love is selfish. Like we're not supposed to love ourselves. We're supposed to love others and all of that. And then you've got believers in another camp saying, no, the Bible teaches us to love ourselves. It says, love your neighbor as yourself, et cetera, et cetera you know, you're God's creation. You should love yourself, take care of yourself. So there's these kind of two camps I feel like that exist, especially among believers. And I almost think there's, at least from what my pastor shared, it helped me see like neither of them are entirely hitting the mark. The camp that says you shouldn't take care of yourself at all, like pour out yourself even from an empty cup, like you should be a servant, like all of this, that perspective there's a very good argument that like, okay, but also you can't pour for from an empty cup. Like you also can't do that from a place of like a, from a healthy place. And so I don't think that the answer is like wear yourself down so much that you don't even rest. I mean, even Jesus took time to rest, to eat with his disciples, to be alone. Like there was restorative things that he did, right? So to say that, you know, you should just never take time for yourself or that it's selfish to care for your own well-being or your own mental health or whatever, that's missing the mark. Okay. But on the flip side, the whole like, you should just love yourself, girl, like that's all you need to do. That can also miss the mark, I believe, because that can tip into making yourself the center of your your universe. That's a hard thing to say, but missing like, well, what's the bigger picture and why am I taking care of myself? So something that my this pastor shared, it's actually my parents' pastor. He had done a sermon on lovers of God versus lovers of self. It was, I think, the book of 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy. He was digging into a passage. This was a few weeks ago, so I'd have to go back and look at my notes. But what stood out to me was that he said, you know, a lot of people will say like, well, the Bible teaches self-love because of verses like, you know, you should love your neighbor as yourself, et cetera. And so therefore that means God is saying you should be loving yourself. And he actually said something really interesting. He said, actually, that's just simply acknowledging that you do love yourself already. Like we are by nature lovers of self. We are by nature self-serving. Like even if we want to be selfless, like we generally and naturally think about our own fears, our own needs, even if we have a servant's heart, like our natural predisposition as humans is to self-protect, you know, self-focus. And we can be prideful. We can be selfish. Like that is the fallen nature of man. So he's like, the Bible is saying like, look, you already do love yourself. By nature, you love yourself. You may not be treating yourself as if you love yourself. Like you can love yourself and put yourself down at the same time. Meaning you can be so focused on yourself and so focused on, you know, your own imperfections or your own desires or your own fears or whatever that you're actually like focusing on self so much that you're not seeing outside of yourself. And he kind of argued like the Bible calls us to self-forgetfulness. That doesn't mean that we don't steward our health. That doesn't mean that we don't steward our well-being. But I just thought the way he put that of like, you already do love yourself, whether you think you do or not, it may not come out like you're really like supporting yourself and speaking kindly to yourself and all these things that self-love tends to talk about in our culture. But I thought that was a really interesting thing to say, because I think sometimes we assume that like if we have insecurities or there's things we don't really love about ourselves that we therefore just don't love ourselves. But he's like, our natural tendency as humans, unless we train ourselves otherwise, and we've been 
really refined by the Lord and refined by life experience, like our natural predisposition is to look out for number one, to look out for ourselves, even if there are things that we don't like about our skin or our weight or our personality or whatever. And I was like, whoa, I never thought of it that way. So I thought he had a really powerful point when in saying that like when the Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself or things like that, it's acknowledging that like your nature is to actually love yourself first. Like that is our human nature. That's where selfishness, ego, pride, all of that comes in. And so, you know, again, then you could argue, well, what about the oxygen mask analogy where it's like, you've got to put your oxygen mask on first to help others. Yes. Well, I think those truths and the fact that like, okay, we're not called to focus in on ourselves and simultaneously the oxygen mask theory or, or, you know, analogy, I think it's both. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, those things completely contradict each other. So it has to be one or the other. But as I listened to him talk about this concept, it wasn't a matter of, you know, if you decide to love others and, and forget yourself, you just completely neglect yourself. It's more about the purpose and the heart posture from which you're doing things. So what I mean by that is if you're just self-isolating and self-protecting and self-pampering and doing all that just for the sake of yourself, that's where it can kind of begin to feel empty. That's where it can begin to feel like it is vain. Like it's like, what am I really doing this for? But if you think about it in terms of the truth that we are called to love others as we already naturally focus on and love ourselves by nature of being human and pair that with the oxygen mask theory of like, oh, I got to get mine on so I, so that I can then go help those around me. So it's not like, let me get mine on so I can sit here and I'll be good while everyone else around me just has to deal with their own stuff. It's putting it on so that I can help others. So it's got to be from this place of it's not really just to make yourself feel great, right? It's not about just survival of your own self. It's for a pur- the purpose of loving others as yourself. So he's acknowledging like, hey, you naturally are going to self-protect anyway most of the time. You are naturally going to serve yourself you know, in your natural human state without any refinement of the Holy Spirit, without any you know, growth and all that. Our natural tendency is to look out for ourselves, period. So at the same time, though, what can happen is if we get caught up in people-pleasing or we get caught up in overcommitting ourselves, which actually, if you really think about it, can be a selfish motive because it may not always be when we start overcommitting and trying to help everyone else. A lot of times that's rooted in the insecurity of we want people to like us. We don't want to let people down. And if you actually trace that back to the root, it comes down to selfishness. It's It almost can be, is it really about helping others and the joy I get from that and the calling to do that? Or is it that I don't want to let other people down in them? I don't want them to look at me as someone who's unhelpful. Or I don't want them to draw conclusions that are not favorable. So I want to, I will overcommit myself and overextend myself, even if I'm working from a place of exhaustion, even if I'm not even very well able to love others that I'm trying to serve, even if I'm not showing up with a smile on my face, because I don't, I don't want them to not like me. That's a selfish motive actually at its core, which is like super humbling for me as somebody who can be like that. So I just thought this perspective on the whole thing was really interesting. And the idea of like, you can fill your cup and then go take care of others. It's it's really the heart posture and the mindset. There's a quote, I believe it's by C.S. Lewis, where it says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not saying, oh, I suck. I'm the worst, which actually can be out of a self-love, selfish motive of like, pay attention to me, build me up. I'm fishing for compliments, right? So it's not thinking less of yourself. It's not putting yourself down. It's not 
neglecting yourself and not stewarding the temple you've been given, but instead it's thinking of yourself less. So when you do do these things, when you do put your oxygen mask on first, it's so that you can help others. When you do you know, try to get to the root cause of maybe hormonal imbalances or issues going on with your skin that are alarming you that something may be out of whack, it's so that you can be a better wife, a better mom, so that, you, so that you can invest in the health of your future family, so that you can show up with energy, so that you can serve well. So it's actually, I think, really a both and, but I think sometimes we try to isolate them like, well, if you're going to fill your cup, like that's self-love and therefore like you are a super selfish person or it's in the camp of, well, you should never fill your cup at all. Or I mean, so you should always be filling your cup and, you know, look out for number one because, you know, that's what's most important. When I think it actually, at least from what I was gathering, it's like, it's not about not stewarding your well-being. It's about stewarding your well-being for a purpose bigger than yourself. And when we can operate with that mindset and that heart posture, that is really where we think we stop thinking less of ourselves and putting ourselves down and we start thinking about ourselves less and others more ultimately, knowing we have to start where we are with ourselves. Okay. So hopefully that helps kind of clear the confusion around, is this self-love? Is self-love wrong? Is it selfish? Are we called to self-love? The Bible clearly doesn't call us to self-love in the sense that we've kind of culturally made it so extreme, I think. But I do think God, I think God has called us to stewardship. And I do think he's acknowledged like, you naturally already do love yourself. So let's, let's look at this through the right lens. Okay. And let's make sure we're doing it for a purpose that's about our calling and something bigger than ourselves, even if it starts with ourselves. All right. So with that in mind, I would then take the next step to argue that it is not vain to invest in your health. And what I mean by that is, well, let's just talk about it. Let me dig into a few points here because I think when we look through the mindset of like, okay, if we're, if we're considering what we just talked about, in this context, then investing in our well-being or investing in our health, investing in stewarding the vessel that we've been given, which is truly a vehicle to carry out our calling, like our souls have been put into this body. And this body is a vehicle that allows us to go serve and help and, and do all the things around for our families or for our neighbors or our communities or our, our you know workplaces or whatever. And so to invest in that, to refill that, to put gas in the tank alone and for the sake of you know, if just the this, this single act of saying, I'm going to refill that, I'm going to restore this, I'm going to make sure it's operating at, at a healthy capacity so that I can show up in the best ways possible and so that I can, you know, serve others so that I can actually lay my life down for others. And I think that's where the difference between like what general self-love culture in society is versus a biblical view of stewarding yourself. It really comes down to like loving yourself for the sake of loving yourself and feeling great about your life. And there's sometimes the talk of like, and also like, so you can, you know, be your best self for others. But I don't even know if it's about being your best self. I think it's actually so that you can lay your life down. It's so that you are, yes, your best self, but so that you can really serve others well. And I think that terminology matters because I think it can mean a lot of things like, well, what's the point of being your best self? You know, is it just so that you can achieve and get the applause and be happy in your life and love your life? Or is it so we can also lay our lives down and sacrifice and serve, right? And so just that take is important and the, the lens in which we look at that verbiage is important. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. 
If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for- one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. So all of that said, you know, if we're looking at it through the lens of investing in our well-being, I think a lot of times we're, we tend to just, especially believers, will tend to feel guilty for that, especially when there's a financial component with it. When it's, oh, if I'm going to start using, you know, these products that may be healthier for me to use, but they're going to cost me more, is that a, is that a vain investment? Is it just, you know, is it extra? And I don't even think it's necessarily wrong if it is extra. I think it's just having a healthy mindset around it. So let's dig into this. First, I want to say this. Investing in your health is truly that. It is an investment. It's not a frivolous purchase like an overpriced pair of shoes that you'll wear twice a year. And I, again, it's not even like buying an overpriced pair of shoes occasionally in your life is like terrible. It's not like you're, you know, wrong. It's more just like there's a big difference between investing in your well being versus investing in something that like you probably won't even really wear, right? Whatever size investment you make within your specific means really is an investment into your future your family, 
and your legacy, especially if you are a young woman who wants to have a family or is currently building her family, like typically your health and well-being is a very big component to that, especially if you'd like to have kids biologically. But even if you don't, even if you build your family other ways, I have really come to find, wow, your well-being and ability to have the energy to play and to show up and to you know, have conversations with your, with your spouse or your community to make dinner, to do all the things. You know, I have a lot of close friends that have shared these thoughts, these thoughts with me. And as I've been in my own kind of family journey, I've seen like how critical this is, not only to the biological aspects of building a family, but also just to the being able to pour into your family, whether your family is simply you and your spouse or you and your spouse and children, or you, you know, whatever that might look like for you. So your health is really critical to be the best servant for those around you. And so then that leads me to my second point where in a world that has told us, you know, that our well-being is either the most important thing or an afterthought. Like in the church world, I think sometimes we're taught like it should just be an afterthought and it should come as like the last resort. And in the world, we've been told like this is, you know, you are the most important thing and you are the center of your universe and nothing matters more than how you feel and your happiness. I think it's important to remember that being well, if we take a step back and kind of choose not to operate in either of those extremes, but look through a healthy foundational biblical lens, us being well, not being perfect, not being comfortable in every area of our life, but being well allows us to give, serve, love, and steward well, and that matters. So if we believe in the importance of an emergency fund, I think this is speaking to the financial side for a second that I think is really important. If we believe in the importance and the and why it's a good thing to do, why it makes us a good steward to save an emergency fund of $1,000 or three months worth of expenses or whatever principle you choose to go off of for something like a blown tire or an unexpected home expense, why on earth do we not prioritize a wellness fund or a health fund for those things that are going to allow us to be better stewards of our body. I want to acknowledge though that this will look different for everyone depending on many factors, your income, your location, your capacity, so many different things. But the mindset shift from the basics of, you know, stewarding my health and well-being and looking at my body and or my responsibility of being a gatekeeper of my body and of my home as something God has entrusted to me shifting our mindset from, well, this is an extra thing, or this is a luxury to, this is actually a priority to be able to do the best that I can do for those around me can be so pivotal in taking whatever steps are within your means to take first, whether that's, I'm going to start changing how I eat, or I'm going to start exercising more, or I'm going to get a gym membership, whether you can go all out on your budget because your means allow it, or or if you just have one small tweak you can make, it matters. And so I just want to plant that in our heads because I think sometimes we think it's either or, but I feel like from a biblical perspective, it can be both. And if we understand a healthy view on the difference between self-love and stewardship, as well as, you know, what is it that we're called to and why does the Bible say love others as ourself? And if we can look at, okay, what I do for myself is ultimately for the purpose of loving others and serving God and bringing glory to God and honoring the vessel that he's given me, the vehicle he's given me to carry out my calling, and we stay in that mindset and we consistently remind ourselves, then we'll know where the line is in our life. You'll know like, okay, is this getting excessive? Am I getting obsessive about this? Am I doing this to look a certain way? Am I doing this to impress a certain somebody? Am I doing this kind of for myself and my own 
idea or feeling around what's going to make me feel better or make me more confident? Or is it, I want to make sure I feel my best and I'm feeling recharged and I'm, you know, supporting the body God gave me and nourishing it well so that I can show up and nourish and serve and love others well. Okay. Step into my calling completely. So there's a few verses I want to share with you that I think are good reminders as we navigate, like what does investing in my wellness and my health? And then ultimately, like I almost look at that as like the bullseye of the target. Like if you invest in your spiritual well-being, your mental well-being, your physical well-being, if you invest in that and you hit the bullseye on that, what's going to happen if you have the right heart and the right mindset and the right foundation and the right truth guiding this? The next ring of the target is immediately the people surrounding you that are going to be touched by that, served by that, and supported by that as well. Okay. And then, you know, the next ring is even the the outer ring is those people that maybe you don't touch more so individually in your life and so so closely in your daily life, but that also benefit and are served by you feeling healthy, you being as stewarding your well-being as much as possible. That doesn't mean it's gonna be perfect. That doesn't mean you might not struggle with a chronic illness or, you know, there's there's things, but it's like if you're stewarding that to the best of your ability where you are with what you have, it doesn't mean your health has to be perfect. It means that your efforts in that won't go wasted if you have the right heart and mindset toward it. If it's for the sake of investing in others and serving others with your time, with your energy, you know, with your wisdom, et cetera, not only will the people in your immediate circle or that second ring right outside the bullseye of your target be be affected positively by that, but also those who are maybe on the second ring, those who may not be in your everyday life, but may who may get an email from you or who may you know pass you by, you're going to be able to love them better and be more patient, be more kind, be more supportive when you started with where you were. Okay, so there's a few um, verses that I want to share with you. One is. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So how we steward our bodies and the decisions we make with our bodies, if we go back to the conversation about it being a vessel and a vehicle to carry out our calling, and we understand that we are made in the image of God, it matters how we honor and steward this vessel for the glory of God, not for the glory of self. The next verse that I love is, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So when you're making decisions about what you're putting in and on your body, make sure that's something that's glorifying to God saying, you know, it's not that you can never have a cookie or splurge a little bit. That may actually be glorifying to God because you're not obsessing over every little calorie. Like that's, it's about self-forgetfulness, right? It's about God, you've given me this vessel, help me nourish and steward it in the best way possible, you know, and whatever that looks like in my means financially and with my time and energy that I can pour into it. And then I'm going to stop obsessing over it and I'm going to go love somebody. (laughs) And I'm going to go, you know, use the energy that this food you've blessed me with gives me. And I'm going to go show up and, you know, listen to a friend who's going through a hard time or go serve at a local charity that I believe in or volunteer at my church or love my husband and be present and hear about how hard his day was and offer him some support, like whatever that might look like for you. There's another verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. I love that one. Then there's another one in Genesis 2. It says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. So that's Genesis 2.15, and that's the story, um, really the creation story. And something that I think really stands out to me about that verse specifically is that man's first job, like human's first job that was ordained by God was to cultivate or manage a garden. A garden produces fruit for our flourishing for our well-being. It provides nourishment, nutrients, you know, fuel so that we have what we need 
to operate, to function, to show up in the world, to serve others. And what I just find so interesting is that our first job was really to steward or to cultivate a garden, to manage the very thing that would produce our food. And so I think when we, even if you're not somebody who gardens, as I have started gardens over the last couple of years and learned more about that and leaned into having a hobby because Lord knows I needed one, I've learned so many lessons about this in the garden, about tending to ourselves, our homes, our families, stewarding our lives. And I just thought it was so interesting when I came across this verse that the very first job that was entrusted to humankind was to cultivate a garden. And if we think about our lives as a whole, as a garden, I think we are called, like whatever God has put us over to manage, whether that's our household, a business, a team in your company that you work for, or what have you, your own body, your own vessel, your kids, whatever, that's your garden to cultivate and tend to. And maybe you have a physical garden too, like me, but regardless, like that just struck me when I was like, wow, that was the first job we were given. That's so cool. Like, I don't know why it just applied in a way that I was like, man, even if we're not actually tending to a physical garden, I try to look at our lives as a garden to tend to, as something that is producing fruit or is not producing fruit if we're not tending to it and nourishing it in the right ways. And so anyways, that's just, that one really stood out to me. And at the end of the day, I just want you to remember this, your heart posture in this really matters. Your foundation and the lens at which you pursue and approach this through really matters, matters. Your body is a temple. Your life is a garden that you've been given to tend to and manage. And your job is to be a good steward of it. So let's be mindful about this. Let's be mindful to make this about more than just outward appearances or fun experiences and instead really make it about stewardship. Let's be mindful to make this about more than outward appearance and be careful not to confuse stewardship with selfishness. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.